Welcome to Australian Design Radio to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Matt Leach, and in this episode, Flynn was accidentally caught away due to a project he's working on. So I'm joined by a previous guest and friend of the show, Andy Wright. How are you? I'm very good, Matt. I dressed badly for Tasmania. Right. It's, it's much colder than I thought it was going You've to be. You've got long sleeves on, and you My got, got rid of the sleeves. shorts, yes. which was good. Uh, on our show today, we have long-time list person, and I mean that in the... You've been on the list for a long time, Andrew Johnson. Hello, how are you doing? Good, how Thanks are you? Thanks for having me. I'm very well, thank you. Yeah. Andy, you've done podcasts before, so I don't have to explain the rules to you. I love podcasts. This is... Uh, I feel sorry for Flynn because he can't be here, but uh, I was quietly chuffed that I got asked to, <laughs> to be uh, to help out on this one. So we're down in Tassie because we've uh, well, Andy's come down for Foundry Live, which is an event where we bring four people down uh, to talk about numerous different things, and and both the student and industry of Tasmania. Um, so we thought it was a very good chance to kind of catch up with the creative director of Foundry, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, that's um, me. How long have you been creative director for now? About just over two and a half years, I think. Yeah, I, I started doing a bit of freelance with Foundry before I sort of became full-time, like moved down to Tasmania, started full-time around sort of August 2015, so about two and a half years. So one of the things we're doing tomorrow is we're actually going to panel, which is stream time is obviously involved. Um, I feel like we're all over everything. It's not intentional. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the panel is um, a chance to kind of, uh, I guess, start looking at Never Not Creative as well, uh, which is your new thing i guess that that's yes. launched for a reason can you give us a bit of a uh, rundown of what it is so there are lots of communities for creatives that celebrate work um, showcase talent and they they all do a really really good job of that there aren't so many things that are around to help kind of organize and improve outcomes for the industry and so the opportunity i thought um, especially when, when I moved over to Streamtime, was to actually maybe we can do that here. And so Never Not Creative will look at how we can address issues in the industry around mental health, around working hours, around getting paid, around the overall value of creativity, how to help us all as an industry kind of f fight the fight and, and, and kind of get much more fair reward for what we add to the world. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, it's kicked off and uh, people are signing up. And uh, yeah, we want people to come and join, have a discussion. You can do side projects off it. You can uh, join Facebook groups. You can write articles for us. And the more active it is and the more stuff we can do together, hopefully the more things will, will start to change for the better. So one of the things we're doing tomorrow is we're this on this panel. So the, the actual topic is surviving the gig economy, mm. which I think would be really interesting because it's, it's sort of all creative directors or managing directors. But it would be interesting because it, it's something the students are definitely having to deal with because the jobs just aren't, they're there, but they're not like they used to be. I, I think it's interesting because we were with the Design Kids event tonight and obviously a lot of students there. And we were talking about whether your job might be five days a week. And actually not entirely sure it will be. Like mm -hmm. your job may well be three days a week with two days to do something else or another job or to kind of follow a passion. And I'm not sure the future is going to be so specific in terms of the five-day, nine-to-five week. Never has been a nine-to-five day in the creative industry, obviously, <laughs> as we all probably know. But um, 
it's yeah i think people are going to have much more flexibility but that also whilst there's a lot of pros to that there's a lot of cons around isolation um and managing your own finances and the kind of pressures that 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 can Mm. put you under so yeah i think it's an interesting topic so aj i'm going to call you aj because i normally call you andy yeah and now we've got two it's (laughs) very confusing i prefer aj let's give listeners a little rundown you studied design at Wollongong Uni, founded Designers Kinky, Semi-Permanent, Empty Magazine, Take Magazine, Loom Magazine. You're an art director, creative director, accomplished photographer and illustrator. Although when I told you I was going to say illustrator, you mm. said, I'm not an illustrator. No, I, I, I don't consider myself an illustrator. I, I can kind of draw, but I kind you of draw. draw incredibly well. I draw, yeah, but I draw a specific thing, which is people's faces uh, pencil. with pencil sketches, which... You know, it, you know, I'm not saying it isn't cool. I like doing it, but I don't do it very often. And um, so I don't consider myself an illustrator in the way that, you know, a lot of people that I know are illustrators, you know, they mm. do it they do it sort of full time or they do it sort of as, as a passion. It's not so much like that for me, but, I just, but it's I, nice for you to say that, yeah. I, well, I just remember we were doing an empty magazine and there were some drawings and I was like, who did these? And you were like, oh, I just did those. I was like, what? What?" Mm, yeah. And I had no idea before that that you could draw in that way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because like, like I said, I, I don't think of it at all uh, because I don't do it very often. Like I honestly haven't done a, a, a drawing for, I'd say, a couple of years, maybe because of my, my little boy and, you know, the, the, the time that takes. But uh, recently, actually, it was kind of funny. I... I um, my little boy got a um, one of my sketch pads out, my old sketch pads, probably from ten years ago. Picture of Winston Churchill, quite a nice drawing that I thought, and uh, decided to scribble all over it. Nice. And add, rather add, than be to it, I yeah, think. rather than be sort of frustrated with that, um, I just uh, laughed at it, and um, of course Instagrammed it because you know yeah. it doesn't happen if it's not on Instagram. <laughs> and uh, and actually, it was like one of my most you know people loved it. It was like the most favorited and commented post i've ever done because it was you know kind of funny mm. that my little guy had uh you know improved my drawings so, yeah yeah but you know it I made can, me I realize see, how, i can see collaboration happening. yeah I, I can see yeah people that's what people were saying you know yeah. oh, it looks better when you collaborate but uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> but it made me realize how long it's been actually since i've i've sat down and and drawn anything and i do have these always have these ideas in mind of doing it one day but yeah, when I'll get the time for that, I'm not sure. It'll come back. You might find he's your he's your inspiration. Yeah, there. yeah. I'd love to, oh, I'd love him to do drawing, and he he drew all over the table <laughs> when I was at home just now, and uh, so we weren't very impressed with that. But my wife kept saying, "Well, at least you're drawing," you know, yeah. <laughs> that excuse like you've wrecked the table, but at least you're drawing, you know. So because she's an illustrator as well, so she, uh, you know, we want him to to draw and to be creative. But you know, I guess time will tell. I can see when he's a bit older, family trips or all got your drawing easels out or pads mm. or yeah. whatever you use. I'd love that. And, you know, once again, my my wife, Nikki, she would really love that as well because it just comes so naturally to her. Mm. And that's what I was trying to say. To me, it doesn't necessarily come naturally. To her, as a, an actual illustrator, it does. She'll just sit there and sketch something and I'll just look at it and go, what the... You know, mm. like I couldn't do that. I need reference material. I need an actual photo to draw from. To her, it's just yeah, instinctual, which is why I don't really consider myself of that that sort of type. Mm. I'm I'm a I you always sort of thought myself as like a photocopier with a pencil, because that's kind of what I do, you know. <laughs> and there's always skill in that. I'm not saying there isn't, but I don't see it as a sort of as artistic an endeavor as as a lot of people. You know, design is kinky. Been going for 20 years. I've seen so much illustration, 
over yeah. those years and it just still blows me away and i'm so jealous and envious of those people at they're just they can just rattle these things off their head mm. and I, i'd love to be able to do that and i'm not saying i couldn't if i really sat down and you know over many years taught myself but it just doesn't come naturally to me so let's talk about designer skinky Mm-hmm. and how it started. I've heard the story a few times, but mm. for our listeners, can you give us a bit of a rundown about where and how? Yeah, so it started in um, 1998. So yes, um, you know, back in the old days. And it was just one of the things I, I, I started to, around that time it was 56K modems, you know, dialing up and all that. And, and I started to get into the internet like, you know, millions of people around the world were. And I just thought I'd like to get involved. It's something that I guess I've always kind of just done is wanting to be involved in something. And I, You'd finished uni at this point? Yeah, I finished uni. I'd been overseas for, I don't know, two or three years, I think, and then come back and thought, wow, what am I going to do? I'd had a, de- had a design degree, sort of uh, had a design degree. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, I didn't actually pass. Right. I, yeah, I... Oh. Um, World I passed exclusive. all my, yes. Oh, God, now I'm going to have to give my career all back, aren't I? <laughs> this is like an episode of Suits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm taking your career back from you. No, I, um, yeah, I, I, I failed a, like a art history class, didn't put in the essay because I didn't think it was worth writing. So um, I, they didn't give me my degree, fair enough. They eventually did, um, just gave me it, which I was very surprised at, but thankful for. Yeah, anyway, so I, I had come back from overseas, you know, did the Australian and Europe sort of thing or worked in London, then in Belfast and came back and then um, was wondering, okay, what am I going to do? I've got this urge to be a designer, but I didn't really know sort of what I was going to do and started getting odd sort of design jobs and then got online and started seeing these sort of community sites start to pop up and just thought, oh, wow, this is really cool. Like these people have a similar sort of sensibility and ideas around their design and their creative work uh, as, as myself. And so I just decided to, to start something. Yeah, back then it was like, uh, I can't remember how I created I think like Adobe Go Live, which was, you know, if you remember that way back, just came up with the name and and just, just started playing around and just eventually it, you know, it was a lot easier back then to kind of make a name for yourself because there wasn't many sites. people weren't doing it, yeah. Probably three where, or four where other did sites. Where the name come from? I actually don't know that. Oh, it's a sort of silly story. There was a there was a website that was very influential to me called Caliber Ten Thousand or K Ten K, and I thought that the abbreviation K Ten K was really cool. So I wanted to do an abbreviation, and you know, some therapist can probably tell me why this happened. But um, the word Dick came into my head. <laughs> Who knows why? You can make your own judgments on that. And then I thought, well, that's just rude and sort of stupid. But then D I K kind of was like, oh. And then design is seemed pretty obvious, and then the (laughs) word theme just followed on. Yeah, and then the word like I look to this day I don't really recall why, but the word kinky came into my mind. I remember yelling out to my girlfriend at the time, "What do you think it is?" And she's like, "Yeah, it sounds cool, you know, yeah." And I've never been one to really sort of think too hard about these things or kind of. Yeah, if it feels right, then... Yeah, yeah, and, and it's been pretty memorable. I think people do remember it, and it's had some pretty awkward phone calls over the years, but... <laughs> um, but Potential you know, sponsors and... Yeah, kind of just just people are like, there's that pause when you say the business name, and <laughs> I've often say it's just a design company, or I just make, you know, and they're like, oh, okay, and, you know, so... But yeah, that's kind of the story, really. And how, how do you find, like, how do you know what's right for designers kinky, and how do you find them and, and get the, them onto the, the links site? and stuff? yeah. yeah. Oh, it's it's always just been a kind of gut feeling. It's just been, you know, 
right from day one, it's just been stuff. I've, I've really only posted stuff that I like. Mm-hmm. That's been the only real criteria. If it's a, you know, a, an illustrator, a designer, a photographer, an artist, um, or a project, an exhibition, an event, whatever it might be, if I enjoy it or I think it's well-designed or it's cool artwork, then I'll just post it up. I mean, that's been, yeah, really the only criteria I've ever really used. The coolest thing I saw today was the Mike Campo. How do you say his name? The Instagram, Snapchat, um, Photoshop stuff that was... Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So cool. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't... You know, these are just random yeah. links I find. I don't know these people. Uh, um, so I, I was tweeting yeah. with him today. Yeah. Um, after tweeting about that stuff because it's so dystopian it's like very beautiful but then instantly dystopian and kind of like Bates Motel-ish almost mm. um, but with all these statements about social media and just how you know yeah like how ridiculous you know our life looks so great on social media um, and here are these signs saying so but it's yeah so you have to you, check them out did, Design, yeah. did, he get, did he get back to you? yeah he did yeah yeah he said um, yeah he talked about how because I tweeted how ironic it was that obviously I was pushing this stuff through social media, and he goes, "Yeah, that's kind of the point." And then, um, <laughs> and then I, I I posted a giphy of a Trojan horse, right? And there we go, and that was nice. that was the end of our conversation. But we seem to get on, and now we are friends forever on Twitter. <laughs> Twitter friends. So with design is kinky, though. There was a period where other people were posting, weren't they? And it was yeah. It became because if I think back to what it was, because it was very influential in in my starter career and, and same for Flynn. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a site where you could get inspiration, uh, you could get interviews, you could get sort of rumors and gossip and it kind of, for a while there, it was kind of everything. Yeah, I mean, you know, I used to have a lot more time to kind of spend on it and and therefore it was, it was a lot bigger. There was different sections and, you know, uh, yeah, I updated it a lot more and I had other people, various other people who updated it with me so you know, it, it was it was a lot bigger a, a thing, and it took a lot more time of, mm. or of my time to do it. And it was a lot back in those days. You know, it wasn't WordPress, it wasn't Squarespace, or these sort of um, you know uh, drag and drop. Yeah, drag and drop stuff that that is you know amazing when you've when you've gone through that period of of the pain that HTML was and mm-hmm. dealing with you know Dreamweaver or even further back, like I mentioned before, Go Live, like. I'm never been. I'm not a coder, so I've always had to deal with those programs, and they're not. They've never been super great. Yeah, it was. It was just sort of playing around, and and you know, one of my favorites. I don't even remember a lot of the sections, but one of my favorites was mugshots. Yeah. So you know, in, I thought about it not too recently, but it was kind of in a way almost like a precursor to Facebook. If I'd been smart enough, I could be you know being <laughs> sued or whatever Zuckerberg's doing right now. But speaking to Congress, yeah, yeah I heard yeah. about that. Apologizing, I think. Yeah, <laughs> apologizing the poor guy. But um, it, you know, the mugshots anyway was you know section. Basically, we put a photo, as the name suggests, and a name and uh, and a location, and that was it. But there was you know little thousands of them by the end of it, and I had to update each of them individually on an HTML file. Like, so it just took a long time, and and. Um, very, over the years, you know, uh, once I got busier with other projects like semi-permanent and other things, I just found that I had less time for it, and it started to gradually whittle down into a, an easier thing to to um, to maintain. But the, the, I mean, the first thing that we ever did really and became known for was the interviews. Mm. Um, we interviewed, you know, that was our sort of thing. I remember thinking at the time, well, what can I do that's a little bit different? 
And I had noticed a few interviews of um, well-known designers on other websites, but it wasn't like their thing. It was just they did it every now and then. So I thought, well, I'll make that my thing. And I really enjoyed doing that, you know, back in the day. I mean, we had, you know, the, the, some of the obvious suspects like David Carson and, you know, those kind of guys, but even Banksy, you know, which is, um, you know, it was pretty cool. This was back when he actually would reply to an email. And, yeah. You know, so this was a long time ago. Like, I don't even know how many years ago I would have done that, probably like 15 years ago. But it was at that time, there didn't seem to be any other way because you also spoke to a slightly different design audience, I think. It was more the up-and-coming kind of designer or the, or the mm. recent graduate or that kind of stuff where, yes, you had iMagazine and Creative Review and all that kind of stuff, but they spoke to a practicing designer. Yeah. And this felt like it was almost like the Juxtapose, mm. ju- uh, Juxtapose magazine, which is has amazing kind of, kind of up-and-coming illustration. This was almost that for design. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I've often thought about the level that where we sit, we sit or we, we used to sit or we still sit, I guess, because it is still running. And it's this sort of, yeah, I guess up-and-coming is a, is a word for it. So, I mean, some of the people are, are very well-known yep. and, um, you know, and, and sell their artworks or, their, you know, or are running, you know, uh, well-known design firms or whatever. But... But ultimately, we've always sat in that sort of level where people, yeah, are sort of slightly up and coming. And that's something I've always liked to do. I've always liked to feel like we've been helping someone, you know, Break, breaking not just or, rehashing yeah. someone who's already got enough publicity and doesn't really need it. Yeah. You know, uh, I prefer to find people that are a little bit obscure. And that's obviously difficult because it's hard to find obscure people. Yeah. And we don't get as many emails these days as we used to. We used to get like hundreds of submissions almost daily, but... We don't not as many anymore but yeah finding that level was always always interesting it, it, it's just something that i did naturally i think i don't think it was a conscious decision it's just that that was where we started to slot in and and sort of just went from there now can i ask a, a maybe personal question sure is sammy the squirrel still <laughs> part of the team uh yeah he is yeah he's still part of the team he uh he just sits there, you know, quite lonely up on the top of the website. Because at one point, he almost became a bit of a mascot, I guess. Yeah. I was expecting you to maybe have like a Sammy, Sammy suit that you got into occasionally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he did. It, it, it's, um, it, he, for those who are out there who are wondering what the hell we're talking about, uh, <laughs> it, it's the, the website logo, you know, it's just a little squirrel icon and... Um, yeah, yeah, he, I guess there was, I can't even remember what it was for, but I actually remember writing like an article about it. I think it might have been for maybe Desktop Mag or something like that, where I actually gave him like a backstory and all this kind of right. stuff. And I remember even at the time thinking, this is kind of stupid. Like, you know, it's just a logo for a website. But because it was such an, ob- at the time anyway, I mean, I don't know really if it would be now, but way back then, I just, you know, found, I mean, I, I, quite happy to admit it caused a bit of controversy online controversy back in the day but i just found it in a font it was just a dingbat in, mm. in a font and um, i really liked it started using it just as a as a dingbat not not as a logo started getting a lot of emails saying is that your logo is that because we didn't really have a logo we just said just wrote designers kinky you know in various ways and and i just was like oh yeah may as well because yeah. it, it was like had no <laughs> reference to anything Design is kinky. The name doesn't reference a squirrel. Like it just said nothing, and I thought that was kind of cool. You were so busy trying to work go live that you just didn't yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. So we just went with it, and then you know, and it just became yeah, it became the the logo. It was never really, 
you maybe a theme running here, but I never go really gave it much thought. <laughs> <laughs> it just did. So I think you could retrofit it brilliantly. It's all collection and curation, and that's what squirrels do with nuts. And yeah, yeah, that's, that's nice. the idea, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, nice. that's that's what it was. <laughs> so I remember a situation with JJ's JJ's uh, jeans, JJ jeans, where they had a yeah. T-shirt which had Sammy on it. Can, yeah, what happened with that? Because I never really heard that. Yeah, the T-shirt said it had the same squirrel logo, and it said I think it just said nuts. A friend of, I think, ours, Gary Trin, uh, he emailed and with the, some photos because he'd seen it in you know the shop window or whatever. And I don't know. At the time, we were a little bit taken aback, and and you know, but I kind of felt a bit odd about it because you know, ultimately, I hadn't really sort of created this logo. I just used it because it was in a dingbat, you know. And um, so it was a kind of odd feeling. But I thought, oh well, I'll shoot him an email and just say, hey, you know, it's not so cool. Anyway, all they did was write back and essentially some, you know, I don't know who it was there. Someone wrote back and said, well, it was sourced from some Chinese, you know, person or designer or um, whatnot. And, um, and that, you know, if you want to get your lawyers on us, get your lawyers on us. So it was kind of just like calling our bluff, basically. Wow. And, um, you know, she called it well because we didn't have lawyers. You know, of course not. We were just some... Stop, stop using Sammy. Yeah, yeah. Just, but we just kept going with it. And, you know, it was one of those T-shirts that, you know, they... They're in the shop for a couple of months and then they they disappear. And we bought. I remember buying a few of them or, or getting a few of them, but I don't know where they are anymore. Yeah, long gone. Semi permanent seems like an obvious extension to design is kinky. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gives you a chance to kind of bring some of those people that you've kind of, I guess, profiled and, and kind of really get them in front of an audience. But what a lot of people don't realize is that it, semi permanent didn't start straight from there, did it? Because it was it was a book beforehand. Uh, not really. I mean, the 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 book you, you're refer- referencing or referring to is um is what's called permanent. So basically, you know, I I I learned print design, so I've always been a big fan of print, and so I'd wanted to do a print project, and I've always felt that websites have this kind of, I don't know, like you can just take one file away, and a website's gone. You press a couple of buttons, a website's just gone. Doesn't matter how big that website is doesn't matter whatever you can just press a button and it disappears but print isn't like that um you know once you've printed some books or magazines or whatever they're there you know of course you can burn them or whatever but don't burn books kids you know but um (laughs) you know you can but i'm just saying like they're permanent and that's why the name came from it was actually ash boland who came up with the name permanent anyway so long story short we did this book permanent which was um published by idn magazine um or the idn group whatever they're called yeah so once that was was created and we sort of it got it got sort of well known and it it got picked up or bought by the people at diesel and then we went to OFFF in Spain and then they wanted to do something with us and then we we sort of came up with semi permanent so that so I, I wouldn't necessarily say semi permanent came from the book but it's all with design is kinky and you know pretty much everything I've done personally you know there's there's it's all related in in some capacity, I think. You know, it's all about showcasing artists and designers and sort of inspiring people through that. Yeah, it's interesting because the way you talk about all of this stuff is almost like you could go back and retrace it and go. A lot of it was by design. So, how much of it do you find like was by design, or like your skills of opportunism are just excellent? Ah. <laughs> uh, <sighs> Because it's a pretty like, clear yeah. path on, in terms of how you progressed as well. 
It it is when you look back, yeah. yeah. But I, it certainly didn't feel like that at the time, and it's not really in my nature to think too far ahead. It just never has we been. Established I, that, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. You know, I I've, I've always just been wanting, like I just go with something if it feels right. Yeah. Like I think Matt, you said gut feeling or something before. It just that's just been the way I've done things in most aspects of my life, yeah. and I'm not some crazy guy who dives off mountains and all this kind of stuff. Not in that way. Just in a, you know, like. Design is kinky felt right and you know it didn't cost really anything to do it so do it and then we had this opportunity for semi-permanent and it felt right you know and and we knew there was you know we weren't stupid we thought about it you know there was there was no events of its type really at the at that point in sydney and we thought well we can fill that gap you know and when we did the first event two thousand people turned up mm-hmm. you know so we were like oh wow it's so there is a gap to how, fill. How did that feel though? Because that, I mean, just to be sold out. Mm. Yeah, it was. It was pretty. Yeah, pretty amazing. Like it was to get such a response. Yeah, I mean, you know, we had no idea, you know, whether it was going to really work. You know, you just did it, and yeah, it was like holy shit, you know. And getting up, I still remember. Like I'd I'd been on stage, so IDN did a conference a couple of years before that called the Fresh Conference, and I'd actually got yep. up on stage and spoke at that. Mm. And so that was my first experience of getting up in front of a couple thousand people. And so I'd experienced it once, but it wasn't the same as getting up in front of those people for your own event. Mm. And so that was, yeah, that was quite a quite an experience, that's for sure. Quite both exhilarating and like, you know, shit scared sort of thing, <laughs> you know. But it, it worked, you know, and, 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 and everyone seemed to enjoy it. And then obviously, you know, we kept going, so... And did, did you intend at that stage to, like, was it going to be a, an annual conference or was it just let's see what happens? I don't really think so. I think it was just kind of, yeah, see what happens and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, then I don't know. Who knows? We probably wouldn't be sitting here right now. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, who can tell? Yeah. I mean, you grew so quickly and then quickly went outside of Australia as well. Yeah. Um, do you have a favourite one that you did that you remember really fondly? So the one that always comes to mind is the New York event. Um, not just because it was in, you know, New York, which is the, the big glamorous city, but the response of the American crowd is something that I'll never forget because Australian crowds are great, but they're slightly reserved. So there's like yeah. levels. We, we, we did one in London and barely you heard a peep the whole time. Like they just w- did not barely laughed, barely clapped, but that's just, that was freaking us out, but that's just how they are there. <laughs> We're British. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you, you Brits, you know. Um, and uh, then we, so then New York, but New York was the, the polar opposite. Because as we all know, Americans, you know, for, for all their faults, they are very much about success and about embracing people. And, you know, everyone can be the president, which is obviously complete mm. bullshit. But, you know, they make that out as part of their sort of their whole thing, you know, the American dream. And they just roared and clapped. And it was like, Seriously, like every time I walked out on stage to um, uh, ha- ha- to introduce a speaker, it was like I'd just finished a- an amazing presentation. Like, right. just raw, and I'm like, holy shit! I'm just getting on here to say, here's a good guy to, to listen to, <laughs> you know. And and uh, like, I may be sounding like sort of egotistical here or whatever, but when I got up at the end, and the, the American guys we've been doing it with um, said, I'd like to just say thanks to Andrew, and out out I walked. Like seriously, I have never felt anything like that in my life, and never, and not, not again. Even after doing another, I don't know how many, twenty, thirty or so semi permanents after that, never felt anything like that. It was just, you know, I swear they clapped and roared and cheered for 
well over a minute. And I just stood there like thinking, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> like I just sort of stood there like probably beetroot red, just like, like, holy, like it was just incredible. And so, you know, you, you don't forget an experience like that. Mm-hmm. You know, not, you know, unfortunately not many people get that experience, you know, and, and I was, I'm still just astounded to this day. It was amazing. That was your 50 minutes of fame. It was, for, yeah. for one minute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it felt like that's all I needed. You know, that was, yeah, that was a, an amazing experience. 2014 rolls around and you decide to leave semi-permanent yeah can you talk about what happened there yeah i guess um you know i feel like myself and murray um sort of or murray murray bell i should say we haven't really said murray the other person who founded semi-permanent i feel like we sort of just drifted apart for a few years you know it was happening i think for several years before that and i feel like our sort of goals and our our ideas and our I guess aspirations were maybe sort of splitting apart a little bit. You know, eventually it came to a point where it was difficult. It was a difficult sort of working environment. And, you know, I'm not laying any blame either side here, but it just wasn't really working. And I think we both felt it, but it sort of, it took, you know, it took sort of a lot to kind of make it break. And then um, once we did the, the, yeah, 2014 in Sydney, we just decided, you know, that, that, enough was enough i guess and i decided to to move on have you been to semi-permanent since no would no. in you, that you wouldn't happen. no no look you know there, there's it, it's kind of like i guess it's like breaking up you know with a long-term partner yep. it's like you know we were working together and and i was running semi-permanent with murray for 12 years you know so that's a long time that's you know it's over a it's a long time i'm an old man and now but that was over a quarter of my life you know that's a long time and and so it's kind of like yeah breaking up with a a girlfriend you you don't want to see that girlfriend again and um so to be honest you know i've kind of cut all semi-permanent as much as i can anyway which you, you really can't um if you're part of the design community obviously but i've kind of cut it out of my life as much as i can in terms of i don't know what's going on with it and I, you know, and, you know, think what you, you want of me for saying this, but I don't really want to know. Um, I'm very, very proud of what I accomplished with it and what we did. Uh, I know my part in it. I know what I did um, to make it the success that it is um, still to this day, I'm sure. Um, so that's enough for me. You know, I, I don't need to really know what's going on. I, you know, I don't wish any ill will to anyone, to Murray or to the event. I'm, I, I think it's still an awesome thing that needs to be part of the world. Yep. Um, I just would prefer, you know, prefer not to maybe, you know, really hear about it. Let's move on. Sure. <laughs> so 2015, you're married. Yep. You've had a kid. <laughs> uh, right a kid that end, decorates yeah. the house. Yep. Kid yeah. that decorates the house. Yeah. And then you moved to Tasmania. Uh, no, so we moved to Tasmania when um, Nikki was pregnant. So that was in mid, right. yeah, mid 2015. So July, we actually arrived. Nice middle of winter kind of. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's, great. Let's see uh, how bad it could get. Yeah, it snowed two weeks after we got here. It had it snowed in Hobart for like the first time in like twenty odd years. <laughs> right. And um, so Nikki loved that. She's a warm, warm weather person. So she was absolutely loving that. And um, yeah, and then we had Milo at the end of the year. So right at the end of the year, yeah. So why Tasmania? 
Well, it's thanks to this man who seems to come in and out of my life quite a bit. Yes, Mr. Matt Leach there. Um, Because... I'm stalking you. You're stalking me, yeah. (laughs) Because I heard uh, Chris, Chris Billing from Foundry, the the founder of Foundry, on ADR. Like he was like... Was he like the fourth or fifth one? He was one of the yeah, really early really, ones. Really yeah. Early, yeah. I heard about it and I thought, wow, that sounds interesting. And just went online and um, and they'll they'll love this because I've joked about it with them before. But at the time, their online presence was really bad. You just couldn't find out any information about them. I eventually found, and I tried to find, and Chris is like an internet ghost. He's the ghost. You can't find yeah. Chris anyway. <laughs> so I found like a contact form on their website and I just wrote an email. I didn't have any real reason to. I just thought, I don't know. This, this this sounds interesting. I don't know, you know. And obviously, I was I wasn't at I wasn't really doing much at the time, you know, in terms of I was doing a few sort of freelance things here and there. So I wrote an email and just said, "Hey, I'm Andrew. I used to work at Sandburn. Oh, actually, no, because he did reference semi permanent and mentioned that he he'd love to have semi permanent guys down in Tasmania. So maybe I thought, oh, free trip to Tassie. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, so I, I just wrote a real quick, you know, contact form, thought I'll probably never hear back. And literally two hours later, Chris called me. Turned out he loved semi-permanent, you know, knew knew all about it and also had apparently been a subscriber to Empty. Right. When you could subscribe many, many years ago. So, yeah. And then, yeah, we just um, started chatting and, and he asked me if I'd like to do some design work to help their website. And so I started doing a bit of freelance, actually recreating the website or redesigning the website and then started chatting to Chris about possibly becoming full-time or, or an actual, you know, member of Foundry and then, yeah, the whole thing happened. One thing led to another. Mm. So let's talk about Empty because obviously you do Loom now um, and yeah. you've also Empty Magazine, Take Magazine and print, as you mentioned before, is a, is a major kind of part of your, your lifeblood, I guess, in, yeah. in your career. Yeah. Why is print so important to you? I've often had this conversation with my wife because she sometimes thinks I shouldn't go on about print as much as I do because, you know, it's a digital <laughs> age these days, you know. Yeah. And especially from a career point of view, you know, you want to you be well-rounded and you want to be able to say you're a digital UX person and all that. And I think that I've got skills in that. You know, I've, been, I've essentially been working as a digital designer for 20-odd years if you, if you consider design as kinky. But I just love print. I feel when I've got a, you know, DPS open in, in design, that's when I feel, I think, most comfortable as a designer. Like, that's when I'm like, like, I feel like I know what I'm doing here, you know. And I just have always, I mean, I grew up in that age where magazines were sort of, were gold, you know, they were the thing yep. you did, you know. And also, you know, I was heavily influenced in my university years by David Carson, who at the time was the, like, ray gun design god you know it was always a problem for us because i was neville Brody and you were david yeah Carson. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i liked neville Brody. you know the face i like david was Carson, awesome. but he just wasn't we well, no, wasn't neville Brody. No. i look back at carson now and wonder but you know that's 20 years ago or more you know so um, i think i think you can do the same with Brody in, in some yeah, respects yeah yeah a bit more classic but yeah anyway so you know to be a magazine designer to me was the ultimate like that was the ultimate mm-hmm. as a graphic designer you know, when you consider I was at university, you know, 24, 25 years ago, you can see why. Because that's, there was no, you know, UX gurus and all that back then. And so anyway, yeah, so being a, a magazine designer was something that I really aspired to. So, I, think, I think a lot of people still do to this yeah, day. Like and students, they should. Students uh, these days, if you, if you asked 100 students, 
you know, what, what do you want to be? There, there would be a, a large percentage who would be like publication. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and craft and illustration and typography. Like I'm actually amazed still the amount of students that are trying to get into something that like it does have a huge amount of craft and expertise around it, but, but certainly not as much money probably, mm, yeah. um, but it's the romanticism. Right? I'm not like sure, it sounds I'm not sure like, whether it ever had that much money. To be honest, no. When that's you, no. you're kind of used to that, so yeah. that's okay. <laughs> Not independent um, publishing, yeah. anyway. No, but it sounds a little bit like there's a there's a control around, like you said, like feeling comfortable, but knowing that you know what you're going to get with the finished product. Whereas in digital, sometimes you can have all of the kind of ideas, but actually the way sometimes it manifests itself isn't easy. And also, there's a million formats to try yeah. and mm-hmm. exactly. work with. And yeah. you know your format for, uh, like you said, you opened up a DPS in design. I know these are the dimensions. It's not going to change. It's going to hit the press. I know what it's going to look like when it comes out. Yeah. I guess it's easier in some ways because, yeah, you don't have all that format issues or, and, you know, web changes so quickly and so dramatically these days as well or digital that, that it's, it's really difficult to kind of keep up with all of it. So, I, I, yeah, look, uh, you know, I am of that, that sort of print age. That, that's my, you know, my, my sort of, when I learned, as I said, that was the thing you did. So, you know, to get to do, to actually create um, magazines is, it's not that easy because, you know, there's only a finite, you know, amount of them. And if every designer wants to do that, or certainly they did way back, then how do you do it? You know, and I was sort of on another path and then, you know, until we started Empty, I guess. And obviously once we did Empty, I felt like, you know, we can, you can just do this. But until we did that, I didn't really kind of even consider the idea of, of you know, that you could just create a magazine. But I, I love the fact you say that. And, and I was thinking when you were saying before how you don't really think things through. And, and I was thinking about how we started Empty. And I completely thought that you were very confident in, 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 in how to do this. And, <laughs> and to clarify <laughs> for listeners, you guys were working on Empty together, right? Yeah, so, so it was literally it, yeah. Yeah. In, in a pub... Uh, Bay Coogee, Hotel, Coogee Bay Hotel yeah. and we we're both complaining about magazines I think for slightly different reasons because mm. you, you were saying that there just needs to be more stuff out there that people can feel inspired by and realize that other people are doing stuff and I was annoyed because I felt there was stuff out there that you could you could look at pretty pictures but mm. I wanted to know the story behind and I think you just said do you want to do a magazine I was like yeah cool yeah. and that was it yeah. <laughs> which then, a lot of designers kinky and semi-permanent was like it was yeah. always, if, it, if an idea was floated and everyone mm-hmm. was like yep I mean it just kind of did yeah the next day even even you know once we sobered up or you know <laughs> we uh we still wanted to so we, so we did you know and like I said before it was something that I never really considered because it always seemed such a like sort of businessy sort of like big thing to do but ultimately, it's just a series of steps that, that we went through. You know, I think the first one took us a while to, to get out, to get ready. But still, it was just a series of steps and, and, you know, finding who to print it, all that kind of stuff. I think it was in learnt so many different lessons. Mm. Like if uh, someone sends you an ad that is the picture of a cow's bum doing a poo, that you probably accept the ad because it's money attached to mm-hmm. it. Rather than what I did was like, no, that's never going in the magazine. Yeah. And we lost that whole sponsorship. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we weren't, that's the thing. It's like. Who wants to advertise a cow's butt? Yeah. Like, I don't, I won't say the a, name. It was a stock photography It was a stock company. photography. Yeah. yeah. Not probably the one that comes to your mind. 
Or maybe, I don't know, I can't remember. (laughs) Getty is doing cow's bottoms. (laughs) (laughs) Don't sue us, Getty, all right? Another thing that you really started to really get into during Empty was photography. I mean, you'd always been into it, but you're really starting to enjoy probably more the photography articles and the stories. And it was only a matter of time until you did your own kind of magazine that was focused on, and then that was obviously became Take. Yeah. Talk talk more about like what Take was and, and, and how that fed. Yeah. So, I mean, I started to take photos a little bit myself. Through Semi-Permanent, we started to have some really amazing like photojournalists and mm-hmm. documentary photographers come in. And I just was, I, I'd always have been, I've been buying, you know, Magnum books for years and I'd always just been fascinated by those people and like thinking they're, you know, geniuses, but also basically crazy, the things they do and the you know situations they put themselves in and i, I remember um, we uh, had a story in empty about boogie yeah yeah that which, was the first issue yeah, yeah which was um this quite young photographer who would take himself into like the deepest darkest kind of gang territory mm. with just a camera yeah. and just get into some horrible horrible situations but then document it mm. and then yeah years later like i i was i remember i was talking to a sort of a friend and and a really uh, great photographer, Andrew Quilty. We were just talking about it and I said to him at the time, I said, oh, I might just do a complete photography issue of Empty. And he was like, oh, great idea. And he said he'd help me out and like find, you know, some really good photographers, get in touch with them because he knew a lot of people. In my sort of, I guess, typical fashion as, as we've been discussing, went home that night or whatever and decided, well, why do an issue of Empty as a photography and just photography, why not just create a photography magazine? Which, you know, when Empty was not, Empty was essentially costing me money and not making a cent was actually probably a really stupid thing to do, at least from a business perspective. <laughs> and you're running but, them both side by side? Yeah. Let's yeah. lose more money. Yeah. So, um, but that's, you know, it's never really been my sort of reason for doing things mm-hmm. as, as you know, you're aware. So I, I did it and, and yeah, and, and came up with Take and, the premise of it essentially was it's just just really raw documentary photography, not sort of, you know, overly photoshopped sort of stuff. None of these, you know, most photography magazines you see at the news agents, unfortunately, are full of, you know, like big camera reviews and, and you know, the latest printer and all that. And I just thought, well, you know, I don't have any interest in that. I'm sure many, many people do, um, but I don't. I wanted to actually see real raw photography that was being shot by talented people and so we did four issues, or I did, I guess I should say, four issues, and and yeah, and that that was that really. So what's happened with Empty and Take? Because if I looked at your LinkedIn page, it says present, but then I haven't on, updated that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then on your personal website, it says uh, that in 2017 you wound them down. Yeah. So they, um, I guess you know, it's like anything. It, it it you know, once you start, you get to a point where you can't keep losing money. And I, so with Empty, it just sort of, I did a couple of issues via um, Kickstarter that sort of got, you know, funded and, and that was really cool. But the problem with that is that you fund it and then you've got all these magazines, you send out a bunch, but you've got all these other magazines and no one's really buying them because you can't, because you, you, I, I didn't have the time to distribute them. Try to sell them online. You sell quite a few, but not enough to really make another one. And so you have to either fund it yourself or you go to Kickstarter again and, same thing happened with Take. Um, I, I think I kickstarted maybe the maybe the fourth one. I'm pretty sure the fourth one, 
and it just gets it's just to be honest it just got a bit sort of tiring i just mm. thought do i really want to keep doing this i had a, had a garage full of magazines that just were you know and i unfortunately you know moved several times since i moved here to tasmania and they were just a pain and i just decided you know what i'm just gonna let them let them go because they kind of i kind of had anyway but i hadn't sort of you know hadn't sort of made the full break and uh so i decided to really just sort of late last year i decided that that i'll just call it you know because I, I always had these little thoughts in my head oh i might bring it back because take has you know an instagram account that has recently just gone over like fifteen thousand followers so i do that on a daily basis just because it's a bit of fun and i love looking at the photography and 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 you know once again showing it to other people but from a magazine perspective it's just not you know it's not really worth it i don't think it's difficult at the moment to to really do a, a magazine so recently you did a designer's kinky kickstarter as well yeah. that yeah that didn't end up getting to what it needed to and that was yeah. for the what would it be 20th anniversary yeah yeah so it's our 20th anniversary this year and i thought maybe we could do a you know a book but you know i don't have the money to to, to spend on a book at the moment and so I thought I'd kickstart it. And yeah, to be honest, I was, I was quite disappointed that it didn't get through. I guess there was part of me that still thought that, you know, the site had a bit of the, I guess, popularity that it used to, even though I know that, you know, I don't check it very often, but I know that the sort of um, traffic is a lot, you know, huge amount lower than it used to be. But I guess I thought that, you know, enough in the name of a reputation to, to get through, but it just wasn't the case. So yeah, it was disappointing, but... But is it, it is. is it maybe more to do with print? Possibly, this yeah. Is, this is my way of saying, mm. is print dead, Andrew? <laughs> no, of course, print isn't dead. But um, yeah, maybe, maybe the book. But what else was I going to do? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, you know, as I said, I'm a print designer at heart, really, you know. Um, and what else was I going to do? Some digital magazine? Like, that's kind of what Design is Kinky is anyway. Mm. It's always has been, you know, so... I thought a book would be great. Um, I had some ideas around making some interesting content, but but that's you know that's the other thing that one thing I, I would you know maybe this is an excuse I don't know, but one thing I would always say to my wife Nikki, you know, oh, you know, this will tell me something, you know, and it was the same with the magazines. I was like, if this doesn't get through, then the fact is there isn't an audience for it, so just can it? Yeah. Like, what are you doing it for? You know, market research. Yeah, in a way yeah. it is, and um, and so the designers kinky Kickstarter was 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 a bit of that it showed me kind of that there was still i mean it you know still got sort of over eight thousand odd dollars i was going for, needed a lot more than that but you know i still thought well that's that's still you know quite a few people who are willing to put their money forward for it and i was still really grateful for that but um but it just showed me that yeah you know it's just not where it used to be and even though i did know that it sort of just it just sort of i guess you know made made me even realize it even more is it the, do you think like some of it is the temporary nature of like what we're used to consuming now? Like, yeah, it's, it's nice to have, you know, the thing, but you know, ultimately it can end up in your garage Yeah. or, yeah. um, you know, you're, you're getting your, you're getting so many different fixes every day. Like I spent 40 minutes, I, I lost 40 minutes today on designers kinky. I was just like, I just I started and yep. off I went and, uh, it, it's like, but then, it, I, you know, I didn't have the, suddenly there wasn't the attachment to go, okay, well, now I'm going to invest in this and I want the t-shirt and the hat and the book. And the, and so it takes, you know, quite a long time to build up those audiences yeah. we particularly have, but, but the, we're, we're still very much in that kind of temporary consumption. But it's also like, you know, the minimalist movement is huge. Yes. And, yeah, yeah. you know, I definitely have a rule that 
if something comes into the house, something's going to go it's out of the house because yeah. otherwise it just turns into another kind of tip. Yeah. But so maybe it's that, yeah, it's like we do, it's maybe not that we don't need those things anymore. Like the coffee table book is, yeah, is still, not as prominent yeah. as it used to be. I mean, I remember that was a big thing to have a coffee table book. Yeah. And mm. I don't know whether that still, that need exists. Yeah, I, th I think they're they're kind of just they're fewer and far between. Like there are still some amazing design bookshops around, and you, yeah. there's nothing like going into one of those that's so well curated. But I very rarely the, buy something though. Yeah, I, exactly. I sort right. of wondering mm. and go, this go is awesome. Go in and feel good yeah. <laughs> about kind of touching these things. And there is like there's, you can't get away from how good print makes you feel. But then it's like, so what is your investment? And what's it you know what's it fighting against? What are you you don't invest in that, you know, invest in something else. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it is harder. Like I'd imagine as well, like some of your, your investment of time now must be quite different in terms of family and where yeah. you choose to spend time cleaning up scribbles off tables. And, you <laughs> yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah it, you know, and it does take a bit of time to do a Kickstarter. It's like, I think people think you just press a few buttons and you get money, you know, but no. it, it actually takes quite a lot of time and, and I, and I, if I'm honest, I don't think I gave it the time, or maybe wasn't able to give it the time that it needed. Uh, but uh, but it may not have gotten through. Even if I did, it just maybe wasn't the right thing, and that's that's fine. So you went completely the opposite way and started producing a free magazine in Loom. Yeah. Well, Loom. Um, I mean, Loom. I guess was my idea, but was a sort of mutual thing in a way with Chris um, Billing from Foundry because. He knew, obviously, as I said, he knew about Empty and my sort of, I guess, um, magazine or, or publishing experience. And we talked a few times about doing a magazine and then I can't remember exactly why, but I just suddenly thought one day, well, what about a sort of street press, you know, newsprint, keep it really cheap? Because, you know, that's the other thing. Obviously, print does cost quite a bit. Mm. Wrote Chris an email and got some budget together and he was really keen because he, you know, he also is a lover of print. So he was really keen to do something like that. And when it became cost-effective um, and, and doable, we decided to do it. And um, So yeah. for anyone who doesn't know, Loom is uh, a Tasmanian-based free publication, Street Press, um, which is beautifully designed and it focuses on Tasmanian people and yeah. what they're doing and the creativity that's there. Yeah. Is it something that you would take outside of Tassie? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's... it's um, it's funny to say that because I'm, you know, as as I said, I'm not a Tasmanian. I've only been here a few years, but there is a definite sense of pride in Tasmania of being a Tasmanian. You know, you don't feel the same way really in New South Wales or yeah. um, maybe, you know, uh, unless it's something to do with sport. Yeah. The only time people in, in you know, as we call it Stone down here, origin. the mainland, get excited about where they're from really is to do with a sport. Yeah. Other than that, it's like, I don't give a shit, you know. So, but Tassie people are very different. You know, they love being a part of this little island and they love that sort of, that it makes them different, you know. And uh, there's some really interesting creative people down here. Um, but yeah, it could certainly be, and, and there are, you know, some kind of, um, some not so firm, but possibly hopefully firm one day plans to maybe have them on the mainland as well. But yeah, it would be interesting to see how it would work there because I think that that, that sort of passion of your your region that Tasmania has or your um, state in, in Tassie's case, I wonder how that will translate into another region. Like will it, will that sort of pride be there? Which I, And I think that's kind of why people love Loom a little bit as well because it is just all Tassie, you know, all about Tasmanian 
really creative Tasmanian people who are doing interesting things. So it'll be really interesting to see, though, if, if it does. So maybe not based on a state, but maybe based on a region. Yeah, is, yeah. Is I mean, look, you know, these are plans that I can't really speak to that much. It's, you know, something Chris would need to kind of think about more because, you know, he's got the broader Foundry plan in his in his head. And Foundry is the publisher of Loom. It's not my thing. Hmm. So that'll be up to him, obviously. But, yeah, I think it would be a bit more region rather than state. You wouldn't have a New South Wales loom because I think it's just too big. You know, that's the other great thing about Tassie is its size allows you to do little things like this and get out to a lot of people because it, you know, it, it's got that sort of feel of being a little bit more um, accessible, you know, which is a really great thing about Tasmania. You do feel like you can get around it quickly and you can sort of, you know, reach people quite easily. Yeah, I think Tassie's not really a resurgence, I guess, but it, it's really known for its creativity now. Like when I used to be at Full of the People, ask anyone where they would, if they weren't living in Sydney and working in Surrey Hills, where would they go? Tasmania. Right. Like yeah. instantly, without hardly an, even a question. And we used to talk about this at book clubs like every you know few weeks and people wanted to go to Tasmania because it's so beautiful. But also now it's got, a, it's got that reputation where it's not beautiful, remote and backwards. It's actually quite beautiful, remote and then fairly forward thinking yeah. in, in the in its approaches so you could kind of see where that pride i think comes from like yeah you're right like i don't know whether you'd get that from a region in new south wales or yeah like what what is the oh you get it from the blue economy? mountains you know just, just saying <laughs> just saying <laughs> yeah it's, it's a funny thing it, it's something i'd never really um i mean I've, i to be honest i haven't lived in many other areas of australia i've lived yeah. mainly just in new south wales so i can't speak for victoria or Queensland, Perth, yeah. etc. You know, WA, but but there is a real mentality of that here. Mm. You know, of of they are very they are very happy about being a Tasmanian. Very you know, have a lot of pride around that. And you know, even though as I said, I don't consider myself a Tasmanian. I mean, my son was born here, so he is yeah. technically a Tasmanian. But I've started feeling it while living here. You know, I've started sort of I call it the mainland now. You know, and, and maybe that's um, what it is. Like you can tap into it now, and so that's mm. why it is so relevant and kind of well produced and maybe it's just that yes like those communities exist you've, you've seen as you've kind of asked people for interviews recommendations around the country that there are people you've never heard of and there's probably very tight communities there that are very proud of what it is that they produce so yeah maybe it's just a thing of like you got to be in there and you and live it and feel it yeah. which then means could you do it almost remotely from not from within those areas if you went to to kind of push it further would be mm. would be difficult I think you'd have to have someone that have some in that presence. area, you yeah. know, like an editor would have to be from that region, yeah. I think, because yeah. that's the thing. Claire, the editor, you know, she she's Tasmanian, loves she lives here in Launceston, mm -hmm. and you know, she knows a lot of the people, and a lot of the stories come from people she knows or she hears about, and we have contributors, and they're all local, and so you'd need to replicate that in whatever region. The design, I think, you know, isn't necessarily it's not a Tasmanian design, mm -hmm. you know. So you could probably replicate that from almost anywhere. Mm. But I think certainly the content would have to be created by, you know, locals, mm. which is, is what happens here. It's just how it should happen. It should be, yeah. For Well, for a magazine like Loom, I really think it should be, mm. definitely, yeah. That brings us to time. So where can people find out more about you? And not the British painter who died in 2015. Very famous, really? Andrew Johnson, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, poor dude. How old was he? I'm not sure. He was he was very well known for his abstract painting. Oh, cool. Maybe I, I can just, pretend I, to be him now. I quite like to look up 
the the doppelgangers of, yes. of who we're interviewing. <laughs> yes. um, I have to Google myself and yeah, see if I can I'm find a, him. You know? I'm an international storyteller. Are you? Yes. Both, both people. No, no. That, that's just you, though, isn't it? That's no, nowhere near. <laughs> yeah, well, I, my website is andrewjohnston.com yep. um, with an E. With an E, like yes. Say. yes. Uh, and um, that's about it, really. Design I mean, is kinky. Oh, yeah, design is kinky, of course, um, which is designiskinky.net. Um, I do have an Instagram, but it's not really much point following that, at andrew double underscore j. All the other stuff now kind of just takes you to design is kinky. So, yeah. Andy, where pe- people find out more about you and what you're doing? I am on Twitter at ADWrighty, A-D-W-R-I-G-H-T-Y, and obviously with uh, at Streamtime. And you can find this episode and more at ozdesignradio.com, and you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud at ozdesignradio. Thank you very much. Thank you Thanks very much, much for having me. Yeah, it's been great.